Okay. Oh, there we are. Before I pray and get started, I had this thought while I was down there and worship was going on. Uh, how many of you have ever had a betta fish? You know, that's the little fish with the big thing that you put in a, just a bowl because they have to play by themselves. Uh, if you got your drummer a little thing to go on his head, wouldn't it kind of be like a betta fish up here? <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, are you going to, do you stay in there the whole time? They don't ever let you out? Uh, <laughs> drop a little food in the top? Okay, serious. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for the opportunity to be called by your name, the precious name of Christ, to be called a Christian. Father, thank you for this opportunity, and I ask you, God, that my words would be your words. I ask you, Lord, to anoint ears to hear and hearts to receive only that which is from you. May we spend this next few minutes focusing on how we can be more pleasing to you and be better servants to you. In Jesus' name and for your glory, amen. Uh, if you were here last night, then uh, what I'm about to say won't really matter. But if you weren't here last night, I said that I was building off of what I talked about last night. And uh, so let me summarize that for those of you who weren't here. Uh, we read and talked about 2 Corinthians 5, and there were just a few points. You can go home and read it if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about. But there were a few points that you need to understand as we move forward. One is, we will all stand before God. Now, whether or not you are a Christian or are not a Christian, whether or not you believe in God or don't believe in God, whether or not you believe in hell or don't believe in hell, none of that really matters because the truth is the truth no matter what you believe. And the Bible is the truth and the Bible tells us, matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one gets to the Father except by me. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that we will all stand before God and be judged. It also tells us in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 that when we turn our life over to Christ, when we accept Christ, when we get saved, that the old is gone and the new has come. Uh, the good news for me and you as Christians, assuming you are, uh, the good news for us is that God doesn't hold our past against us. In fact, he forgot, he forgets, he causes himself, which blows my mind, but he says that he will remember them no more. Um, and so it also, you could take that a little further and apply it to our day-to-day -day dealings with people in the world, and we talked about this last night, and that tells us that we shouldn't hold people's past against them. Now here's where we get into the really important part of this that will carry forward today and later today. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are now God's ambassadors. You and I, it's our job to represent Christ here on this world. That should scare you. It scares me. One of the uh, hardest things about, I'm a reluctant 
preacher, uh, speaker. Um, and you may or may not be able to tell that, but I am. I don't like doing this because it does. I'm not scared of you. As a matter of fact, when I'm up here, I don't even really see you. Uh, but it scares me because I'm speaking for God. I'm standing up here representing God. But the truth is, when I call myself a Christian, I represent God everywhere I go. We are Christ's ambassadors. And then understand this. Get this in your head. As Christ's ambassadors, He has given us the task of reconciling others to Him. Of giving out, of taking of of talking of doing whatever we do to reconcile others to him to lead people to Christ you and I have a job to do and that's what that job is now am I saying to you that God expects every one of you to be a preacher no I'm not what I am saying to you is as a Christian the day you accept Christ and start calling yourself a Christian you have a job to do you have to play a part some part in promoting, uh, reconciling people to Christ. That can be as simple as the way you live your life at your job. That can be as simple as the way you react to the way people act. It can be as simple as the words that come out. Matter of fact, that's not really simple. But the words that come out of your mouth. So just understand that as a Christian, you're Christ ambassadors and you have a job to do and that job is playing some part in reconciling the lost to him. We also talked about Luke chapter 15 and I told about that's the story of the prodigal son and I told a um, a story a true story that I witnessed and was a part of about an old down and out biker who died of AIDS that I got to see and I got to play a little part in, and a, and a group of CMA people got to play a little part in reconciling him to God. I don't, it's a powerful story, but I don't want to go into that story today. But the things that I want you to know out of that, and you can get this just from reading um, Luke 15 about the prodigal son, but the same thing applied to foot. All we did was we did the right thing. We treated an unlovable person with love, and it ended up with a guy who had no reason to expect the father to accept him, just like in the prodigal son, dying with anticipation of standing before God rather than fear of standing before God. And briefly, let me say that this was a bad guy. Uh, he, he was a bad, bad guy. He was a drug user, an intravenous user, abuser, and his girlfriend in New Orleans was a prostitute. And out of that he caught AIDS and it ultimately killed him. And the, the last thing I want you to remember as we move forward in this, and we talked about this last night, and I'm only going to say it and then move on, God loves a party. If you weren't here last night, ask somebody who was, or just go read Luke 15 and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay, let's move on. Today, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 24. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. 
When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Let me talk about that for just a second. Because this could be a point of controversy. What's Paul saying here? What he's saying is, and he says this later, I try to be all things to all people so that by all means I may win some. He says that that when I'm with these people, I act like these people. When I'm with these people, if they don't obey the Jewish law, I don't obey the Jewish law. Now look, we could get all hung up on that. We have people who are in CMA and outside of CMA who say to us, you shouldn't go here or you shouldn't go there. Christians don't do this. I remember when I was, in a, I was chapter president in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, I was trying to make a connection with the, with the club, a bad club, a hardcore club, that put on a big event down on the Gulf Coast. And it's not easy to get to talk to the president of one of these major 1% clubs. They don't talk to just anybody. And so I was trying to figure out where he was going to be, and I wanted to go there because I wanted to talk to him about something to do with that event. So I found out they were going to be at a club, a nightclub, a bar in, uh, in Jackson called the Capri Lounge. And it was a place where a lot of these 1% guys hung out. And so I told uh, the folks in our chapter that I was going to this. They were having some kind of an event there. It was actually called a birthday party, but it was a birthday party for one of their chapters. Uh, it was the annual date they got chartered or whatever, however they classified it. Any excuse to have a party. And... Um, but God loves a party, not that kind of party, but God loves a party. Uh, so I told the chapter I was going. I didn't ask anybody to go with me because that's not for everybody. But I said, I'm going and anybody who wants to go can go. We had a guy in the chapter who called me later and he said, we shouldn't be going there. Forgive me if I offend anyone, it's not my goal, but that bothers me. I don't mind somebody saying, I don't want to go there. I shouldn't go there. But I don't like it when somebody starts saying what we should and shouldn't do. I said, uh, well, we're not going there. I am going there. And if you don't feel led to go, don't go. He said, well, you, we shouldn't be seen in there. And I said, again. We are not going to be seen in there. I'm going to be seen in there. And we had five or six people that went. But here's what I told him. I said, listen, the guy's name was Dan. I said, listen, Dan, you're focusing on the wrong thing here. You're focusing on the image that we portray. Here's what I'm asking you to focus on. Focus on praying for me. I'm going in there alone. 
pray that I come out with somebody. Because maybe it's an opportunity to lead someone to Christ. He and his wife quit CMA. Because he didn't think we should go there. Now, I'm not saying, and my point is this. Just like Paul said, sometimes we have to do some things to be in certain places at certain times. But the real, but it boils down to this. If nobody ever goes to those people, how on earth are they going to ever hear about the gospel message? Let me just tell you that nobody in the Capri Lounge that night was likely to wander through the doors of this church on Sunday morning. So we went. I went. That's a whole other story. It's kind of funny, but I, that's not why I'm here. Maybe some other time. So, but, I, but remember this. Paul says this. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Does that say to you, like it says to me, that you can go participate with people, you can be there with them, but you don't have to be like them. You can be different. Our uh, John, my boss, our national, international president, says this. He says, when people want to change their life, they're not going to be looking for someone that looks and acts just like them. They're going to be looking for somebody that they see something different in. Now, I'm saying this. If they never see you, they can't see something different in you. Now, I'm talking about seeing So, in your own life, you do things and interact with people all over this area and this, uh, well, Texarkana and even beyond. So understand when you're working your job that sometimes you may be somewhere or whatever you're doing, you may hear some things that you don't want to hear. I hear and see things I don't want to hear and see all the time. But I'm not there to hear and see those things. I'm there for the opportunity to tell them there's a God that loves them in spite of all that filth and trash and garbage. And I do that, and hopefully you'll do that, because I understand that I am Christ's ambassador, and I have a job to do. When I am, moving on, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I do, Paul, I do everything to share the good news and to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I can't say that. Probably most of you can't say that. I can't say that everything I do is to share the good news, spread the good, spread the gospel and share the good news. I can't, I can't. I try, but I still fail and I still fall short. But I am going to continue to try. Now, as we move on, I want to share another set of scriptures with you because there's something in here I want you to remember as I get to the later part of this message. In Galatians 6, 7 through 9, we read this. 
Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. There are some scriptures, some translations, and I don't don't get hung up on translations. I'm not a biblical scholar, so it doesn't matter to me as long as it's the gospel. And if that offends you, I really am sorry. Um, There are some translations that say, God will not be mocked. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting peace from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So there are three things. Make sure I hold up three fingers. There are three things that I want you to remember as I talk out of that set of scriptures. First is, out of all those scriptures. First is, Paul said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the gospel and share in its blessings. The second point is, God will not be mocked. And the third thing is, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I like to tell stories. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen God do miraculous things. Things worthy of being in the Bible. If the book of Acts was actually being continued, continued, I believe it is, but it's just not being written. If it was being written, I've seen God do things that are worthy to be put in the Scriptures. I talked about one of those last night. I believe that what happened with foot is worthy of being proclaimed in the sharing of the gospel message. Now, I fell in love with the ministry of CMA because I love God. I love Christ. I made a promise to Him. I promised Him that I would do everything I could to please Him. I gave him my life. I told him, I'll go wherever you want to send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I made all those promises. And 33 years later, I'm still trying to do that. And, uh, and then I, I ran across, after about 10 years of being an uh, active Christian, looking for ways to please God, I stumbled across the Christian Motorcyclist Association at a motorcycle show, a uh, big, big show up in uh, Pennsylvania. And off in the distance, I see a sign that says Christian Motorcyclist Association. And I thought it had to be a mirage because I didn't even think it was legal to put the word Christian and motorcyclist together. And I sure couldn't understand the association between those two. So I wandered over there and I met a really nice group of people who um, talked to me about what they do and, and all of that. And I thought, this is interesting. I want more information. So I signed up for more information. And I uh, ended up getting a little magazine. Back then it was a newspaper. But we call it the heartbeat of CMA. And there was a, a, as God does things, Rider magazine that same month had a 10 best roads in the, 10 best motorcycle roads in the United States. And one of them is in Mena, Arkansas. And then this heartbeat had a, the 20th National Changing of the Colors Rally, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. 
in Arkansas. You're all invited. Um, I'm serious. You don't have to be on a motorcycle. You might not come on a motorcycle. You might leave on a motorcycle. The, um, but uh, I, want, I decided to go up there. Debbie and I took a ride up there, and I saw God move in hard people's lives. I, I won't get into all that, but I was hooked at that moment. And from then until now, I am constantly in awe of what I see God doing through the ministry of CMA. And I could spend a whole message talking to you about that, but that's not why I'm here. But I'm proud to be a part of CMA. I know pride is not necessarily a good thing, but when it comes to God, I'm proud of my relationship with God. I'm proud of the things that I see God do. I will boast about, the, not for me, but I will boast about what I see my God do in people's lives. And I continue to do that. And part of that was I, I like wearing my patch. I like wearing my colors. Colors, for those of you who aren't motorcyclists, means your back patch. So I wear them to church most of the time. And uh, this one Sunday, I wore my vest, my colors, to church. And when the service was over, this lady tapped me on the shoulder from, from behind me and said, Hey, I'd like for you to meet my husband. I said, Sure. Turns out, he was, I'll give you a short version of this. Turns out he was a, uh, he was a um, member of a motorcycle club that was a uh, support club for the predominant 1% club in this area. Um, and you can figure that out, those of you who know. He had been in a fight shootout with a rival club. Uh, his best friend, his brother, not blood brother, but his brother, died in his arms. Uh, this guy, my friend's name was Gunner. Uh, he lost an eye. Somebody hit him in the eye with, a, um, with brass knuckles. He lost an eye. Uh, he had a bullet hole, which he proudly displayed in his rear fender that came out of that. And so when I, he retired, resigned, quit the club life, and he had a job with Raytheon, and they transferred him from Dallas to Jackson, Mississippi. And that's when I met him. When I met, I met him, he was not in any club. But he was an avid motorcyclist. I'm an avid motorcyclist. And uh, so we became friends. And, and he, I, I, of course, I recruited him for Christianity and uh, CMA in that order. Uh, and I w wanted him to get saved, and I felt like he would be really good in CMA. It would be good for him and good for us. But he never did that. He actually never did either one of them. Although he proclaimed he was a Christian, I never saw it. But I'm not the judge, praise God. Um, so he got, an, he got a phone call. He had been the local group, the local, I don't want to use names of clubs, so I have to be a little careful. The predominant club in this area had a, had a, a chapter in, uh, in Mississippi. And they called, the president here in Texas called them in Mississippi and said, let Gunner come and go wherever he wants to. He won't put a patch on, but let him have free reign. He's paid his dues. He's earned our respect. And so they, he ran free, um, which to most of you doesn't mean anything, but in that culture it means something. 
And then he got a phone call. There was a local small group in Jackson. It was called the uh, Brotherhood Small Club, Independent Club. And the uh, big club decided they should, that, w- that was unacceptable. So they sent someone to them and said, <clears throat> and this happens, uh, you have a choice. Uh, you can either lay down your patch and go your own way or you can patch over to our club, which is a support club for the big club. And some of them patched over and some of them walked away. But they called my friend Gunner and said, if you'll take it, we'll give you, we want you to be the national president of this support group and the president of the Jackson chapter. And he took it. So he became the national president for one of the major support clubs for one of the big, well, the predominant 1% club in this area. And any motorcyclist around here would know who I'm talking about. So about that time, the clubs were kind of tired of fighting with each other if they could help it. So they formed this thing called Coalition of Clubs, Coalition of Colors, but Coalition of Clubs is what it really is. Confederation of Clubs, I'm sorry. And... um, They were starting to form that, and Mississippi and Alabama were joint. They were under one president at that time for this predominant club. So Gunner called me, and he said, Kerry, I know what you're trying to do, uh, and if you want to meet anybody, everybody who's anybody, you should go to this meeting, and I will take you with me. So he invited me to go with him. I said, I'd love to go. Can, I, can the vice president go with me? He said, sure. So we show up. Uh, I had to persuade him to change his ride plans a little bit because it was about 120, uh, I'm sorry, close to 200 miles to where we were going to go, and he figured we could get there in 90 minutes. I said, I said, no, not with me riding with you. And uh, I don't think anybody could make it. But he laughed and said, okay. So, so we went on this ride, and um, I'll skip all of that. Just know that it was quite a ride. I could tell stories about that. Uh, we get out in this club, to the club house where they're meeting out in the middle of nowhere. And I was scared. I'm not scared of much, but I was scared. I'm the only, me and Mike are the only two Christian patches in a clubhouse out in very deep woods of Alabama. Nobody knows where we are, and these are the, the, the worst of the worst in the motorcycling world, all gathered together. And we were there with the invite of not one of the major clubs, but with one of their support clubs. And lo and behold, when we pull in, my friend, my protector gunner, disappeared. So it's just me and Mike wandering around amongst just, well, well over a hundred of these guys, and none of them knew who we were. All they knew was we wore a patch that said Christian. Uh, in the, it's like something you see in the movies, except it wasn't a movie. There's this guy in there sitting on a stool 
with his arms crossed, big guy, one tooth, and sunglasses on in the, in the sitting there just looking around. Called him Cheatham. And he was a scary guy. Now later we got to be good friends and I like him. I enjoyed being around him, but not that moment. So I don't know what to do or what's happening. And off from the other side of the room, here comes this guy, and I knew who he was. His name was Hubcap. And he was slated. Alabama and Mississippi were getting ready to divide into two separate, organi- two separate chapters of this predominant club. He was one of the big boys. And he made his living back then. Look, I'm not making any of this up. He made his living back then by running dancing girls. Uh, he had girls, strippers that worked for him, and they worked in bars and stuff, and uh, they supported him. And he was a big guy, and he was a mean guy, and he was notorious in the community. I knew who he was. I also knew he was slated to be the top dog in the state of Mississippi in the 1% motorcycle world. And here he comes. And he's got a girl on both sides of him holding his arms just like a movie. But I'm telling you, this is real. I was, it was happening. And behind me is Cheatham sitting on that bench. And I'm not exactly sure where the door is. But like Jerry Clower, I'm wondering where they'd like to have one. And here he comes, and I'm thinking, surely he's going to turn. Surely he's going to go around me. But he's coming right straight to me, and he gets right in front of me, and he stops. And he says, are you Carrie? Yeah. (laughs) He said, well, I just want you to know you're welcome here. He stuck his hand out and shook my hand. And from that moment on, everybody in that place treated us with respect. Now, I had no idea, and I'm going to talk some more about that in a minute. I had no idea why that happened. I had no idea why this guy, who has no reason to even know I exist, wanted to walk up to me, made it a point to walk up to me and shake my hand and tell me I was welcome here. But it turns out, that he was a lifelong friend of Herman Foote. And Herman Foote lived in the same community that he lived in, the same area that he lived in. And all along, while our chapter had been loving this unlovable guy, Foote had been telling Hubcap what we were doing. We earned his respect by what we did We did the right thing, and it opened a door beyond what we were actually trying to do, which was love the unlovable and lead this guy, this dying guy. And guess what? We're all dying people. Lead this dying guy to Christ. Somebody's going to have to tell me when the clock runs out. So he and I became friends. Now, we were they gathered around tables and wanted to talk. And, as, and uh, I went to the same table because he asked me to that Hubcap went to. 
And as they're talking about the stuff they talk about, and one of the things they talk about is legal issues, one of those people mockingly said, mockingly said, we can't lose now. We got God on our side because we were there. Hubcap looked at me because he's here and I'm here. He looked at me and he said, this is my God. I didn't say anything, but I thought, yeah, keep thinking that. Keep thinking that. So we became friends. I had his respect and his friendship, and I took advantage of it. I started going over to his place. He had burned. He lived in a trailer house, which he had burned down trying to cook meth uh, unsuccessfully. And um, he lived in a small camper trailer. I went over there one day, and uh, now he had um, hepatitis. Uh, one thing you'll find in the world of people that I'm talking about is it's not a healthy life. Um, he had hepatitis so, and had spent a lot of time in prison. I walked into his, his camper, and he had a bunch of art pictures on the walls. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm learning to be a tattooist. Come on in. I'll give you one for free. I said, not a chance. <laughs> you, think, you think I'm going to let? First off, I don't do tattoos. I don't have anything against them. I just don't volunteer for pain. The... Um, the, uh, I said, I'm no, I don't have any tattoos, and if I wanted one, there's no way you're going to do it. Ha, 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 he said. So we got to be friends. We talked to him about Jesus. I said last night that um, we got one of Foote's friends to bring him to the, make sure he came to the chapter meeting. That was Hubcap. The, um, we got to be friends, and I spent a lot of time talking to him about God, and he Sort of said he was a Christian, but he, he wouldn't really talk to me much about it. But remember all along, this is the guy who said, this is my God. Well, over time, he got sick. And he was in and out of the hospital. He had been in Vietnam. He had Agent Orange problems and a lot of, a lot of problems. And, and he had hepatitis. And so he was in and out of the hospital. And he didn't have any money. Um, not all of these guys are... Big-time drug dealers like some think because big-time drug dealers have money. Uh, these guys I'm, I've been dealing with, they don't have any money. So they're very bad drug dealers if they're drug dealers at all. But uh, he was in the hospital, and I knew that his uh, electricity was about to get cut off. And uh, Now, in CMA, we don't, we don't encourage our chapters to raise money for things like that because it's a never-ending cycle but we don't prohibit our chapters from personally taking up love offerings and gifts to go give to somebody so our chapter we knew the situation he was in so our chapter took collected a little over two hundred dollars just amongst the members and after the meeting I went to the hospital and went in to give him the money and as I'm there by his bed talking to him I gave him the money, and he's very grateful and very gracious and very thankful, and we're talking. And I touched on the subject of Jesus, and I can tell, could tell he was receptive. 
So I said, Hub, is it, isn't it time that you get your life right with Christ? Isn't it time that you have the peace in your heart that Foot had in his heart when he died? Isn't it time for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Something like that. And he said, yeah, it is. And so he and I prayed the prayer of salvation together right there in the hospital. And I had my head down. He had his head down. And this big, mean biker that when he was in Vietnam, there's a book out. I can't remember the name of it, but it's by a guy that was in Vietnam. And there's a chapter in that book about a killer. A guy who loved to get high and go out and kill people. That's Hubcap. That's who he was. When he was 13, his parents kicked him out. Uh, he joined the Marines when he was 17. Uh, and as soon as he got out of the Marines, he joined this club. He was always looking for something to belong to. This big, mean guy who loved to fight, who was, had no qualms with killing somebody, who was just as mean as a snake. We prayed this prayer of salvation and when I said amen and he said amen and we looked up, I was a blubbering mess. He was a blubbering mess. And he looked at me and he said, let's do that again. And I said, Hub, did you mean it when you prayed it? He said, yeah, I meant it. Don't do anything I don't mean. I said, well, you don't need to pray it again. You're a saved man. You're a new creation. He said, you don't get it, do you? He said, all the bad stuff I've done in my life, I need to pray that prayer twice. <laughs> so we did. And I saw him change. Now, he was in and out of the hospital. It, it was another like five or six years before he actually died. But he was in and out of the hospital and he was a vet so he went he was at VA hospital and when he was in the hospital I'd go visit with him so this one particular day I went to see him and he said let's go sit out on the porch they had a little porch on that level we went and sat out there and he started he said I want to tell you about a dream I had I said okay I thought this ought to be interesting and he starts to tell me about a dream that he had of a herd of horses and some of them were mangy, scroungy, barely could get along and some of them were big powerful horses and they were running and all of a sudden out of the middle of them comes a, a, a horse that jumps into the front and leads them off, some of them off in a different direction while the rest went on. I said, what do you think that means? hub he said the only thing I can see it means is God expects me to lead some of my brothers to him now this is the guy this is the guy who said this is my God who now understood this isn't your God this is your God and all of that happened simply because we did the right thing with an old unlovable guy named Foot. So what am I saying to you here? You don't know what can come out of the simple things you do for God. Do your part. Understand you have a part. 
You have a responsibility. You may not be able to go into the Capri Lounge. That may be the worst thing you could possibly do because that's not for you. Look, I go in places like that. I don't drink. I don't even drink. If I get a Coke, it's in a can, not in a bottle. I guard, or in a um, cup. I guard myself. I guard what I do so that people will understand I'm not there to be like you. I'm there to share with you who it is I serve. And there are people and places in your lives where you can do that. You just have to accept the call on your life and be obedient to God. And let Him worry about what happens next. But all of that starts, all of that starts with a true right relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you to examine your heart. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? Have you accepted Him? And if so, are you actually living for Him? And do you understand you have a job to do? You have a function And are you willing to do that? That's kind of a lot, isn't it? But really it boils down to this. Have you turned your life over to Christ? If you turn your life over to Christ and understand what that means, all that other stuff will fall into place. Today might be the day. You might be like me. I talked about this last night. I accepted Christ when I was nine years old, but I had no idea what that meant. But all along until I was 29 years old, I would have said, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. But at that, but when I was 29, something happened that caused me to understand I don't have a relationship with Christ and I have not turned my life over to Him. Some of you in this room are at that place today. This can be your day. And let me promise you this. When you give your life to God, and you start trying to live according to his plans, hang on tight. Because it is a wild, great ride. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But it's always powerful. It's always overwhelming. And it's, it, I can't put into words what it's like to be with someone who is down and out and on their way to hell. And you see, you get to be there when God changes that. It's fantastic. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. If today you want to know that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, whatever that, whether you are saved or aren't saved, but you want to know that your life belongs to Christ, it starts with a very simple prayer. It's just the start, but this is the start. So if you want to know that, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in your heart or you can shout it from the rooftops. This is between you and God. Lord Jesus, right now, at this moment, in this place, I'm giving it all to you. I confess, Father, that I've been living for me not for you 
right now. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Guide me. Lead me. Use me. Lord, I promise you I'm going to try hard. I know I'll fall short from time to time. Help me, Father, to get up and continue on. I need you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, while your heads are still down, eyes are still closed, there's a principle that starts here today that you need to understand. Jesus himself was very clear in this. He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the Father. So today... If you prayed that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to start by acknowledging him today with every head down and every eye closed except mine just by simply raising your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. You can put your hands down. Father, right now in Jesus' name, you see our hands. But more importantly, you know our hearts. For those of us, Lord, who have made a commitment to you, whether it was in the past or today, help us, Lord, to live that commitment and be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. As I turn it back over to the pastor, I want to say this to you. If you prayed that prayer, you made a promise to God, not to me and not to Church on the Rock. You made a promise to God. Do your best to live that out uh, if you want prayer I believe the prayer team will come up front and if you prayed the prayer of salvation or if you would like to turn your uh, pray and receive Christ I believe they have some people that will be over by the cross what better place what better symbolism to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior than at the foot of the cross thank you Man, give it up for the Lord today, and Brother Kerry. Let's all stand on our feet. And just as he said, our prayer team is coming forward. There's someone that will be at the cross if you want to pray to make a step towards Christ. Listen, I think that word was so timely. Every single one of us in here, we have different things that go on. We work different jobs, have different hobbies, have different people that we associate with. But the truth of the, the matter is this, that God calls us all to reach the people that we're around. You know, they have a passion for motorcycles and this club, 200,000 people. I mean, their mission, though, is the same that every one of our mission should be, and that's to reach people for Christ. Listen, in our world, God specifically places you where you're at to reach people, to love people, to help people. And the story yesterday that he said was just about them reaching out to someone literally that had AIDS. They touched that person, but literally it had a domino effect. You never know by your simple act of obedience and stepping out what God is going to do. And, and I, I, I've said this before, but listen, in heaven, you know what? Your gifts and your talents, you know, your calling, you're not going to be able to reach people in heaven. That's right. This is the time to reach people. Use what God has given you today to reach people. Amen. We're going to go back in just to, to a part of a song. 
connect with God. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. But if you need to make a step towards Christ, let's do that. Amen. Also, if you'd like to give a special gift to Run for the Sun, we'll have ushers in the back. We'll have a Bible up here. And if you feel just the need to sow into this ministry, I'm telling you, it's going to go to share the gospel. Amen. Yes.